This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com WSJ. Today on the podcast, we're talking to Kate Beckinsale, the star of the Underworld series and also of the new movie, Love and Friendship, an adaptation of a Jane Austen novella. This is WSJ Speakeasy, your source for entertainment, pop culture, celebrity, and the arts. Hey, this is Christopher John Farley, a senior editor at the Wall Street Journal. Today, my guest is Kate Beckinsale. You've seen her in such movies as Serendipity and The Aviator and The Underworld series. Her new movie is Love and Friendship. Kate, thanks for talking to the Wall Street Journal. Hi, thank you for having me. Okay, Love and Friendship is based on a Jane Austen novella. But the character you play, Lady Susan, she's not like any other Jane Austen heroine I've ever seen. And and maybe she's not even a hero. Tell me a bit about her. Yes, she was surprising to me. She's um, she's she's sort of rather progressive for her time. I think the thing that um that's surprising about her is that she's um, she's sort of prepared to do almost anything <clears throat> to enjoy a kind of level of freedom that women at that time were not um, necessarily expected to have. And she's extremely bright and witty and charming but also very single-minded and rather ruthless in terms of manipulating people to get what she wants so there's something that feels very modern about her um that that i think is, is you know surprising in, in a heroine in a jane austen movie yeah she is modern but she almost veers on the evil sometimes in terms of her when she, just, <laughs> she talks to her friend about waiting for husbands to die and almost gleefully relating that kind of information i mean how did you feel about her when you read about her on the page I mean, I thought she was wonderful. I thought she had, I thought she was just, I like those characters that are kind of, you know, that you love them despite the fact that they're terribly badly behaved and all of that. But as I said, I feel like because of the sort of social structure of the time, there really wasn't, you know, a woman didn't have the option to go and work really hard and have a great career and get paid and be independent. You know, you did have to sort of, you know, find a man and marry him and be sort of a, a piece of equipment or something that was owned. And I can understand, the, you know, a level of frustration and resentment about that, that, you know, expressed to your best friend in, a, you know, fairly extreme terms. I mean, I can sort of get that. I still think, you know, it's very funny that she's kind of no holds barred and, and doesn't take any prisoners with that stuff. But um, but I think within the context of, of that period of time, it, I sort of get it. Now, of course, Love and Friendship was directed by Whit Stillman, a man that you worked with on the 1998 film The Last Days of Disco, and that was towards the beginning of your career. And I'm wondering, how did how has your working relationship changed since that time, since now he's a veteran, you've, you're, you've obviously a seasoned actress. Has your working relationship altered since those days? I mean, funny enough, not, not as much as you'd necessarily think. I mean, I think Wit is, you know, he's very much like, Martin Scorsese, who I've also worked with, in the respect that I think he casts really carefully. And <clears throat> in terms of directing actors, you know, I he's he's extremely um, detail oriented about costumes and hair and makeup and things like that. But I think he really, you know, there's not a ton of rehearsal. In fact, there's not really any rehearsal. And, and he he really likes the actors. To, you know, he he picks the person that he he, he really wants and sort of lets them do their their thing, you know, within within reason. And and that feels very, very similar. I think the difference the big difference for me this time is that I felt a little bit more familiar with the world. Um 
you know, I, I did Last Days of Disco, which was, you know, a story about a very particular social set in, in New York during a very particular period of time that Wit was basically an expert on and I think had sort of lived that life. And, you know, I was from West London, England, and, and I had absolutely no idea about that. So I felt very sort of out of my depth when I first turned up in New York going, oh my goodness, I don't really know these people and how am I going to research them? And, you know, obviously he was very helpful, but there, there wasn't that same... I felt a little bit more kind of on my territory with this because I had a kind of, you know, fairly literary, you know, education and background and sort of knew what I was doing a tiny bit more. So maybe that was a relief to both of us. And you also yeah. had a connection to Jane Austen because you once starred in the... British TV adaptation of Emma back in, uh, yeah. in in the 90s. Um, what's the appeal of Austen's world to actresses and actors, do you think? I mean, I think, you know, very broadly, it's because, you know, what we all like the best is really, really good writing and really good story and good characters. And, you know, she has these very, very well-drawn characters, usually excellent type plots and and you know a p- very particular kind of social observation and sense of humor that's very sophisticated and dry and and, and character based and um you know I, I i think that's largely what it is and, and that's a very good fit for wit who is you know also got this extremely kind of sophisticated sense of humor wit and 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 very kind of elegant person you know it's funny after i watched love and friendship i went back and watched some of your role in Emma, and there's a scene there where um, you know Mr. Knightley is, is is telling, confessing his love to your character of Emma, and um, he mentions yeah. that he once held you when you were a few weeks old, and so he's a much older yeah. man than you are. And it's funny you sort of yeah. flipped things for this new production of Love and Friendship, where this time you're you're um, uh, you know having love affairs with much younger men. Yeah. Well, I said she's, you know, she's progressive. She, she's, <laughs> she's ahead of her time. <clears throat> also, I think she probably feels a little bit more easy to control. Also, he's from quite a wealthy family, so she's kind of buying him up as a candidate to be a husband. You know. Well, we're going to pause right now and come right back with a little bit more from Kate Beckinsale. I'm Veronica Dagger. Do you want to know how the rich invest, spend, and protect their money? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, WSJ Speakeasy. Your source for entertainment, pop culture, celebrity, and the arts. Hey, this is Christopher John Farley, a senior editor at the Wall Street Journal. We're talking to actress Kate Beckinsale, who is the star of a new film, Love and Friendship. Now, Kate, I saw you on a talk show recently, and you said something that I found fascinating. You mentioned that they're talking a bit about the costumes you have to wear in Jane Austen productions like the one you're in, Love mm-hmm. and Friendship. And you suggested yeah. that maybe women have become the corset. Can you expand on that yeah. and what you meant? I mean, I think there's a certain amount of sort of social control that has been, you know, around for a very long time over women and women's relationship with their bodies and what's currently in fashion and and there's a certain amount of you know extra energy that can get taken up for women I think from you know from almost any time period which is trying to conform to something that's not necessarily their body's natural state and so you know during this obviously a Jane Austen era the 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 vogue was for wearing corsets and, and having this very nipped in waist and being extremely uncomfortable and possibly fainting and all of that and now it's like 
you know, nobody's, I mean, people obviously are wearing waist trainers and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of, you know, it's not about looking good in your corset and bustle and crinoline. It's about looking good in your bikini on the beach, which is just far more oppressive, really, because that means you've got to actually, you know, you've got the pressure to make your body, you know, actually look like that rather than sort of squeeze it in and hang bits and pieces off it. Like that. So it's just as oppressive, really. I mean, it's, I think maybe people can breathe more, but they, they, they I think the feeling of, um, a kind of pressure to conform to an ideal is, is very, very similar. And I think that's a, a huge shame. And, and, and actually, historically, every time it seems that the strides are made in the women's movement, whether it's getting the vote or closing the pay gap or, you know, whatever it is, it seems like the ideal becomes even more extreme, um, which is distracting, I think, for women in general and, and kind of throws us off our game a bit. And also, there's been lots of talk in recent months about um, the the lack of really rich female roles in Hollywood. And I hear that you're writing your own screenplay. Does that have anything to do with that? Are you trying to now sort of make sure you can supply yourself with great rich roles? Tell me a bit about that project you're working on. I mean, I was always a big writer when I was was young, and and, and there was always the intention was to be a writer and an actress. And then, you know, I was fairly surprised by having a baby quite quite early, and and that took up a great deal of my attention and time and creativity and 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 juggling that with my my acting career and everything. And for me personally, I mean, I I I think when I was writing, I was a teenager and was used to kind of unlimited time alone in rooms where it was quiet, and and that's sort of my kind of comfort zone for writing. So I'm not somebody who could sit in a busy Starbucks and write. So it's really now that my daughter's, you know, 17 and and you know very independent and you know obviously needs a good mothering and everything but it's a slightly different speed um i found myself with like a little bit more time to kind of just go oh you know i'd quite like to flex that muscle again i quite like to do that and and yeah it is it is really a nice thing as well to be as an actor you know you're kind of coming in usually at a latish stage in the creative process where the script's already been written and and you know the characters have been you know, drawn, you know, however broadly, but but it's very nice to start from the very beginning and, and be part of that process right from the start. You know, that's that's something that I'm really enjoying. I think one thing people will notice when they watch Love and Friendship is just how literate it is, just how smart it is, the fact that people use a lot of words to describe what's happening mm-hmm. with their emotions. And I went back and looked at the original novella, which was written in letter forms, letters back and forth from the characters. Yeah. And I thought to, thought, I thought to myself, geez, you know, today with text and email and other forms, that we've kind of lost that kind of eloquence. I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah. I feel like, I feel really sad about that, but I'm a huge Luddite, so, you know, I still haven't quite got over vinyl not being like what everyone has to play music on, and I, even though, obviously, sound quality is so much better like it takes me a minute to get used to letting certain things go but I do you know I've got lots and lots of letters from you know growing up my best friend was um her mother was American and my she was my best friend when I was five and um she she used to go to America for the whole summer and obviously there was no cell phone it was terribly expensive to make phone calls and so nobody really did that so I'd face these kind of eight weeks and you know we'd write these kind of terribly passionate long letters to each other that would take ages to arrive and you'd be waiting and waiting I still got all those and I, I just think it's so lovely to have that you know I mean I love text text is funny and hilarious and very much in the moment but there's nothing like a kind of a letter full of longing you know to, to go back to years later and look at that there's something very special about that and it's a shame 
Now, you're, ju- you're just about to make an amazing jump from this literate world of love and friendship and Jane Austen to later in the year you'll be in the fifth installment of your Underworld series, Underworld Blood right. Wars. Um, and this is the fifth right. movie in the, in the series. Where will it take fans that's new this time around? Yeah, there's quite a lot of new stuff going on. There's quite a few new characters. There's, um, you know, the, my character, Celine, has a lot, uh, a lot of crazy stuff happening to her and goes through all sorts of kind of evolutions. And, you know, there's, I think that's the thing is that, you know, obviously when I'm not used to playing the same part over and over and, and, and you know, it's not necessarily kind of high on my list. You know, what you want to do is kind of do as many different things as possible. But, you know, with Underworld, I, I'm very fond of the fact that, you know, there's this, you know, rather enduring, you know, female badass that I've been one of the few and it gets lucky to, you know, to keep doing that. And the only point is, is that what, you know, what is there that's kind of new to bring to it each time is, you know, because there has to be a point to that. So there is quite a lot going on in this one that's different. Um, so that was why I agreed to do it. Now, now back to love and friendship. And I was wondering when I was watching the movie, you know, a lot, a lot of even Jane Austen fans might not be familiar with the material that is it's based on a novella that she didn't publish during her lifetime. Now that you've done the film, yeah. and I'm sure you flipped through the novella, um, why do you think she never did get this book out while she was alive? What's what's your speculation on that? I mean, I think there's a, you know probably a bunch of you know very famous authors, juvenile, that they sort of put in a drawer and don't think about. I don't know. I think it may be fanciful, and I'm certainly not able to speak for Jane Austen. But to me, the the frustrations that she must have felt as a young woman in this particular time period and environment and a bright woman in, in intellect that was, you know, really kind of serious intellect, that the opportunities were so limited for her that there's part of me that feels like, I don't know, is Lady Susan her kind of, you know, roar against that? Is it her kind of shadow self of, you know, the, the kind of fantasy of, of bucking the system and having your cake and eating it and not caring about you know, this this society structure and being so much more dispassionate about what people think of you and um, playing the system. Is that, you know, is that a woman who's 20 years old who's just starting to navigate, you know, what what it's actually like to be a woman? Is that is that what Lady Susan was for her? I don't know. I like to think it is, but obviously I'm no authority on it, but that's what it feels like to me. Well, the movie is Love and Friendship, directed by Whit Stillman, starring Kate Beckinsale. Kate, thanks a lot for talking to The Wall Street Journal. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. But what policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab that unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how they may affect your finances and portfolio. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise.